Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cornering the Market, episode 51. Today is Thursday, October 12th. It'll be the 13th by the time this airs. My name is P. You may know me online as Astem, joined by my great friend and co-host, Jared. How are you doing today, Jared? Dude, I'm living the dream. I'm, uh, you know, we didn't record last week, you know, taking a break from that momentous uh, 50th episode. But overall excited, man. I've been I've been quiet about a few things with 8NAP, but hopefully we'll have the first artist announcement in the coming weeks and getting everything else lined up. So, oh, I, I should mention the the allow list for mint passes has expired and it's available for public mint. So if you have any interest in a 8NAP art pass, just go to 8NAP.art and you can mint your pass for one ETH direct from the website right now. All right, we'll go to 8NAP.art to check that out. And as folks who are on YouTube can probably tell, we are back to a video episode. You know, we did a Twitter Spaces episode and, you know, Jared, I'm sure there's more conversation. You and I haven't even talked about this, but it felt like it took away from folks who could really see the art. It's it's just really hard to do the art without video. Uh, an art show. I just, it, it's hard for me to go back. So we're back on video. Uh, you know, we're also going to have our newsletter as we have continued to do so. The newsletter is direct to your inbox, five minutes, take a look at it, subscribe to it if you like it, share it with friends if you like it even more. Uh, we, you know, put some stories in there that we can't fit during this podcast. And it's very popular, closing in on a thousand subscribers there. And uh, this is our Twitter handle. Please give us a follow. Uh, if you enjoy this, we really appreciate it. This is Jared's Twitter handle. He's the 8NAP art founder, as you mentioned here. And here is that mint pass. So you can find the link through his Twitter. And uh, this is me, Aston. I also have a service called Collector's Corner Premium, where we are having a great, I mean, it's going really gangbusters, honestly, uh, because I got a bunch of people in. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess I'll just announce it here. So I'm doing a free month of collector's corner premium. It's normally a hundred dollars a month, but if you want to check it out for a month, see if it's worth it. Even if it's not come in, check it out. If you leave, no big deal. Uh, more of the merrier, honestly, the community is growing. It's going really great. We're having fantastic conversations in the discord and I put out content specific for that. And, and we have a weekly call where we just chat about stuff, but, but really the conversation in there is, is fantastic. And, and I got to say, Jared, it, I think it's a testament to community and, you know, I'm very much looking forward to your eight nap art community as that emerges as, cause I know, um, I know you'll be doing interesting and great things there as well. Yeah. And as I will say as for collector's corner premium, as a paying member, um, it, it's really, it's one of the discords I enjoy going to. So if you're on the fence, you know, take, ask him up on his, his, one free month. I, I think you will be surprised with how uh, just fun of a place it is. You know, it's it's a it's a community that's committed to it, and the conversation is is very uh, dynamic and diverse in perspectives. It's it's been really fun. Yeah, yeah. I I've been really impressed by it, and you know, it's only heating up. I have many ideas for how we can keep organizing info, stay on top of the art, understand this world better. Um, you know, it, it was originally much more investor focused, but it feels less now. Uh, but we're really finding some of the best art and, and learning a ton. I mean, learning art history too. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. I just wanted to put that out there and send me a DM if you are interested in joining. Okay, all of that out of the way. Let's jump into, I'm going to switch over to my Twitter. Let's do a vibe check, Jared. What is the vibe you are seeing right now in the market? I'm I'm a little bit I'll call it uh, depressed on the the vibe from the last couple weeks. Not not any particular reason. There's some highlights, and we'll you know we'll talk about those in the in the coming segments. But overall, uh, I think that given the the global conflict and ETH dropping a bit, the there's just a bit of trepidation to to jump into the market right now. So uh, I'm still long-term bullish and just, I'll call it in the next short term, maybe define that as two to six to eight weeks. I have, uh, I'm just watching it 
and deploying ETH in a very strategic fashion rather than being a, a little bit more frivolous with, with what I'm collecting. So cautious optimism, but more so, you know, that's kind of been the sentiment for the last couple months, but more on the cautious side than I have been in the, in the past. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I'm glad we're talking about this because I have not been paying too much attention to outside news. As you know, I've been busy uh, trying to get a few projects across the finish line. So we were talking about, uh, I'm talking about my taxes. That's why I'm laughing. Um, so I haven't been focused as much on it. Obviously I know what's here about what's going on. It's terrible. And it's like, just, you hate to see all of that. And obviously that puts a damper on uh, everything. Um, and also have been ignoring the crypto prices a bit. I know that they're not doing super well. Uh, I, I think that we're probably looking at really getting Bitcoin above 30,000 sustained, probably not till next year now. I was really surprised. I thought it was going to happen this year, uh, but I, I don't think the market truly turns around until then, certainly not from a liquidity standpoint, but there has been really, really great art coming out and really great progress. And that's really you know, for me, I, I guess I've just been paying more attention to that and that's helped. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about some of these collections like Winds of Yawanawa, uh, like uh, Because Until, the most recent art blocks curated, some cool stuff. And then the news that the MoMA has now accepted two NFTs for the first time into uh, their permanent collection. So so we'll talk about that too. So I, I think you're right. I mean, certainly from a market standpoint, things aren't great, but there are collections that are are going well and, and excitement and the art side that really doesn't have to do with prices or, or markets, which is nice to see as well. Um, but let's, let's hop right in, uh, and the Ethereum generative art side, Jared, uh, what, what are you seeing here over the last seven days? Yeah. So I would say nothing crazy again, no big sales. I didn't, there's no glyphs or fidenzas, but overall, uh, I mean, you'll, you'll see like winds of Yao and Awa, and we'll talk about this later is the, the clear, Breakout favorite in in the market right now, you know Fontana two ninety one sold, which was beautiful. I think there was a you know just recently, like this morning, a lot of gazers were sold into Weath bids, so you're seeing an uptick in gazer sales there. A pretty attractive price point there. If you've been looking at it, it's flirting with a single to double digit, you know, line in the sand there. But you know something that like really caught my attention was that there's been a flurry of uh, subscape sales in the last couple of days. And I think that, that if you're a big Matt Delorier fan, there's a really attractive price point here. You're seeing a real wow. big deviation between um, meridians and subscapes, uh, in my opinion, just if you're purely looking at the floor, but there was a rare drift trait that sold for 12 wheat, I believe. So like that was a fun one to see overall, but um, you know, there's been a couple over the last days. I think one was a private sale for a multicolored one that was like a super rare trait. I forget what it's called, but you know, overall, um, you know, there's some clear. Uh, we'll talk about the, you know, squiggles later on, but you know, Velocity Pass had a lot of uh, volume, and so did Winds and Yawanawa. Those are the the clear shiny objects uh, of the week for the time being. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And the other one that stood out was Singularity. Uh, by the way, I, I think that these are amazing. Those are the other two sales that I thought were amazing. You know, a couple really rare ones were sold out of, I believe, Von Mises' uh, wallet. So really, really cool to see that some of those uh, rare Singularities trading hands. Yeah, the only... Uh, first of all, thank you. That was an amazing overview. The only other collection I want to point out here is Life in West America because it had some just really weird price action, honestly. Uh, we had a bunch of them sell below four ether, most of them to wrapped ETH bids, but they didn't seem to be getting relisted because the floor just kind of jumped up and the, the last holdout uh, just sold earlier today and the floor jumped up to 5.8. And, and, you know, I guess this person is trying to flip, uh, but this one, oh, not really. They, they minted this. So it it seems like the, we might be seeing a redistribution into longer term hands, or at least people are not immediately relisting at the floor to try to take a little bit of profit, uh, which uh, to me is bullish, generally speaking. Uh, but, you know, I I don't want to talk too early, but it kind of feels like the collections that people are really um, 
wanting to survive into the next bull run or our favorites in the next bull run are, are being identified right now. I think people are kind of raising their hands and saying, Hey, this, this is the one and uh subscapes. Wow. I mean, 3.8 ETH. There was a time where these easily had a higher floor than Meridian and Meridian's almost two X it now, uh, which is, you know, kind of crazy to see. Uh, but fantastic market update there on the Ethereum side. If I don't stop talking, we'll just keep going. So let's head over to the Tezos side, taking a look at, at FX hash. Uh, you know, a, a slow week over here, which is is not surprising given the broader sentiment, as you said. I think uh, new collections are getting some attention, especially from big name artists. Uh, but beyond that, we're, we're not seeing a ton of volume here. And this is one of the lower volume weeks, I'd say. I mean, 3.2,000 secondary volume on is the highest of any collection. Uh, and then, you know, we, we tail off pretty quickly below 1,000 here. Nice to see, actually, a bit of a rotation to some different artists. Kim Assendorf has been hot for a couple of weeks across all of his collections, uh, but also Studio Yorktown, as you mentioned. We'll see a couple uh, notes there. But any any notable sales here that you want to point out from the last couple of weeks, Jared? Uh, our boy Dirtis swept a bunch of the charcoal seed tickets. That's what's really driving that volume. Um, you know, so I think that it's it's kind of like fictitiously high. You know, congrats to Dirtis for getting all those tickets. But at the same time, you know, I just, uh, for me, I love Tezos art. I really do. I, you know, it's just, it seems somewhat stale. And I think it largely, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I just mean it as in like, there's not a lot of attention and new stuff coming. So I don't think there's a lot of eyes coming to the, to the projects or at least to the platform, because I think people realize that like Tezos is down, you know, it's like what, like 60, between 60 and 70 cents. And, you know, when you're minting stuff for, you know, even like 10 to 60 Tez, which is kind of the average minting price, or at least the starting point. And there's just, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of incentive at this time. So, but on the flip side, I mean, our boy Blockbird uh, had two really great Tesseract pickups. And I think that that rotation into some beautiful art, like that one for a thousand is like crazy beautiful and rare, you know, Tesseract 472. I, I think that that's a, that's a positive sign. Like when I see somebody like Blockbird picking up uh, an older project like that, it's, it's a signal to me that there's still great art out there. And if you are willing to look at it long-term, you know, not just this like myopic weekly update, but long-term, you know, stack away, man. There, there's just, you and I can talk about it, we're blue in the face. Zancan's a deal. Uh, Dragons are a deal. I mean, we're starting to see like some really great, again, not financial advice, but just some re really great opportunities if you believe in, in the platform and the blockchain long-term. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one that I want to note here that I'm showing on screen, not on FX hash, but on Tezos is Monogrid by Kim Asendorf. I think just crazy uh, underpriced relative to the cargo, which really has shot up to, uh, I think it was, it got as high as a two ether floor. It's retraced some now, probably around one and a half. Uh, but these are the OG. These are the, these are the originator of that style. And a lot of people actually are, are not aware of them, but Clearly, some people are for them picked up here. So I think we're seeing some selective grail Tezos buying from some collectors who are, you know, really savvy. And, and we know that Blockbird had recently sold a bunch of his Ethereum works uh, to Lerandum, uh, including a spiral Fidenza. So uh, I'm sure he is looking to pick up some stuff that he finds interesting. And, you know, and on your Studio Yorktown point, I think it's really great. Uh, you know, there was a tweet that you shared with me actually from Chris, for, or maybe I saw, I can't remember it, Chris from uh, Flamingo Dow, Blockstar, he goes by talking about collections that are really, really good deals, not the top collections that everyone kind of knows about, Squiggles, Anticyclone, whatever, but let's call it the next tier. Uh, and it's not clear which one of those will survive. And, and probably because of that, they are getting very cheap, like Tesseract. I mean, Tesseract is one you've been in my ear about for a long time, justifiably so. Uh, and it just really hasn't broken above like that five. I, I think it's still New York Town's best work, in my opinion. Uh, so I think well, maybe that's some of what we're seeing here. And it's funny. I saw the tweet about this too, but like with Monogrid, somebody literally, because there's no such thing as wrapped Tez, right? Somebody literally went in and put a bid on every single Monogrid. It was Lorando. Oh, is it? 
Yeah. But for 2250, you know, Tez, like, A, that's a huge commitment for the entire collection, but B, like, the floor shot up to five, four or 5,000 Tez, like 4,400 Tez. I think it's, again, not to belabor the point, but the point is, is like, you know, to segue off of what you were saying about Blockstars, if you have a long enough perspective and you're committed to like some of the art, there's really good opportunities and potential for some asymmetric upside if you're able to to collect those pieces. Uh, look, I've loved Tesseract for a while. I'm obviously very biased in the statement, but to see Blockbird pick up some of these rare ones, it was almost like vindication of like, hey, there is great art. Yes, you don't have to spend ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I mean, a thousand Tez at sixty three cents. That's six hundred and thirty bucks. I mean, that's that's incredible to pick up a you know a rare piece from a, a collection. And, and even now, like forty four hundred Tez for a monogrid. I mean, I can't do the math in my well, head, but, but like, that's only you like don't have to pay that much though. You don't have to pay that. Look, the offers are being accepted in the 2,500 yeah. Tezos range, right? So, I mean, one here was, I mean, this was crazy. One for 287 Tez. I don't even know what happened there. Uh, but this one here for 22, I mean, I can't do the math right now, but I think it's something like, what, $1,500, something along those lines. Uh, it's, it's not even, it's one ether, right? It's one ether for, uh, our, 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 this is the Genesis collection of this style. This is his first one. And I actually I think agree. they, I mean, if, even if you paid the floor price of 4,400, it's $2,700, right? Like, so that's basically the price of a cargo for, like you said, his Genesis collection. I, not to belabor a point here. I think it's just uh, the, the observation is uh, in aligned with what Blockstar was saying is this, there's opportunities for it. And to me, you know, seeing Dirtis and, you know, um, Blockbird be able to like, pick these up it's just it's an affirmation that like you know like and again you, you sell a spiral fidenza and then you rotate in 600 bucks into tezos it's, it's obviously not you know from a from a risk standpoint it's like it's it's not a substantial portion of the portfolio obviously but you know they you know to block stars point like there's some stuff lying under the radar and as an art collector there there could be opportunities if you choose to deploy on ETH and Tez, not not just Tez. So yeah, hundred percent. And and the last thing I'll say on this is that it it almost feels like um, the market is resetting, right? Because everything is down, you can't really rely on price action as an indicator of quality. But in some ways, that's nice because you can just go see what you like. Just just look at stuff maybe that is not at the upper tier, but the next tier or even a tier below that. And be like, what really speaks to me? And you can collect it at, at quite a reasonable price and have you know much less risk than a completely unknown artist or an unknown collection. I mean, people remember these collections. So in some ways, it's nice because it gets you back to the basics. And uh, I, I, it feels like that's what Blockbird's doing. And I mean, makes me want to do it too. Uh, for sure. But let's head over to one of the, the blue chips, Chromie Squiggles. What's been going on in the last week here or two weeks, however far back you went? Well, you know, we, we didn't do an update last week. Last week I was on a, like, you know, a, a normal high, like we saw a rotation into, um, you know, one of the mathematical folds to a collector. So it's cool to me to see Yamamoto releasing these back out into the wild and allowing others to to collect around it. And then we get hit with this week, which is probably the lowest week of seven-day volume I've seen in a long, long time. You know, it's a 97.74. I can't tell you the last time I've seen it in double-digit seven-day um, volume. The good news is even though there's only nine sales on the week, the floor price is kind of, people are coming in buying the floor. So it's it's down from two weeks ago from 9.69 to 9.6. I do have a little bit of a concern. You're starting to see a, a lot more listed and a lot more is like it's over 2% versus like in the 1% typically. I was looking at the chart late last night, really trying to like figure out where it's going. But I can tell you I'm, you know, helping somebody negotiate an over 100 ETH deal right now for exclusively squiggles, helping another person try to like seek out a day zero uh, that for their long-term personal hold. So the interest is still there just for whatever reason you did not see the sales this week. But, you know, I mean, you have the chart up on screen, that 10 ETH line in the sand, you know, it's been creeping down on it. It's a little bit more dire. If you flip it over to the USD chart, 
um again this is just floor place but i think it's indicative of it like you know i'm looking for a, a good rebound I'm not particularly you know in that 15k region um just not seeing it right now but we'll see on a more positive note i mentioned it 26th mathematical full last week i think overall like you saw an 18th sale of a bold you know this week i thought that was really cool to to see there was also a 10.5 weath sale for a color spread 11 that you know it was a is a beautiful low color spread what was really convincing to me is i know the the seller they rotated that into a punk to uh, you know to get their dream punk and have have the conviction to come back with more liquidity into the squiggle market so that being said uh you know i think people are are it, the conviction's still there just to, i'm trying to scratch my head as to why why the low volume week and the cool thing that's really convincing to me is again on OpenSea. There's two listed lower on on looks rare, but uh, on OpenSea you have a bid ask spread of nine versus nine point six, so it is still incredibly tight. Oh look, oh yeah, like, yeah, that's looks rare on there. So that being said, still deals. I think that there's a really beautiful slinky eighty seven eighty one at about eleven ETH for anybody interested. It's a low color spread, beautiful, beautiful spectrum. If you go down one more P right there, uh, and then one that I'm really trying to wrap my head around, uh, you know, Trill listed a couple, but there's a day zero bold for thirty two ETH. You know, number one forty nine. I think it's a little bit high on the price but you know they don't come up very often like this is a rare piece so you know to be able to take a run at it could be really interesting you're, you're starting to see opportunity where maybe in the past there hadn't been opportunity so in that case i'm optimistic yeah absolutely i mean there's some you know there's always uh the other side of the coin is when things are not as hot in the market, there are good opportunities on things that you feel good about long-term. Like, like I keep seeing this, this uh, fuzzy here, Jared, like somebody please buy this. I mean, 14 ETH, you could probably get it for less, but my God, that's like one of the best fuzzies I've, I've in yeah, my opinion, it's out there. It's yeah. better than some hyper fuzzies. Just kidding. Hyper normals. I take it over some hyper normals. Uh, but, you know, I think my only comment on this is I, I wonder if this week has a lot to do with the war and just the, the general negativity that comes with that kind of a, of, I don't know, I guess just like seeing humanity like that. I think yeah, right, cause there's so much right now in the markets is unsteady and, and we're trying to make predictions without a lot of history or data. Uh, and I think your current state of mind can project positively or negatively into the future. I don't know if that's what's happening, but I do wonder if that's part of it. Uh, but certainly some folks are able to to get their forever pieces like the punk holder you just mentioned. So um, th there's always some good happening at the same time. And, you know, not uh, not exactly great, but not terrible either is on the friendship bracelet side. So we can take a look here at some seven day volume. Uh, we had, uh, well, actually down from when I last checked, 5.6 Ether in volume versus 4.7 last time. Both are relatively low. Floor price has been steady, 0 0.078. It was 0 0.075 last time we checked. Uh, 64 sales versus 51. Listings are down to 1,006, uh, almost into the triple digits, uh, down from 1,088. So down 82 from the last time we checked. And it really feels like friendship bracelets are, are finding a floor to me. It's kind of boring, I would say, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens when something actually emerges, a real catalyst, I should say. But the floor is thin. I know it'll thicken up when sales start happening. A lot of people, I'm sure, just have listings that expired. But uh, the chart looks—it really looks like we've come all the way back down and retrace that whole trip up, uh, uh, both in Ethereum U.S. dollar terms. So, uh, but but people want to hold on and see what happens. So I'm excited for that uh, opportunity as well. Let's hop over to some release recaps. Those are some great market updates. You can tell Jared and I haven't caught up because we we had a lot on our minds. Uh, the first I want to talk about is Winds of Yawanawa by Rafik Anadol. So 
Wounds of Yawanawa, th this was an interesting collection. It released for 2,500 US do uh, dollars in different tranches over the past few months. And they are just revealing now. So it's it's different than a lot of stuff that we normally see uh, in the sense that it was a slow release and also a slower reveal. Uh, but they got as high as 10 Ether pre-reveal. And now as they've been revealing, people are, are really liking them. And uh, paradoxically, or I should say perhaps uncommonly, the floor price has uh, shot up a little bit after the reveal. Um, part of this is also Rafik's unsupervised getting into the moment, which we'll talk about here. But um, wanted to get your thoughts and, and takeaways on this one, Jared. Again, I've, I've helped advise a, a few people on this. I'm very bullish on Rafik in general. And I think this is a great entry point into the collection for those who can't afford the one of ones, you know. I say that largely because, you know, the the group over at One of One did a, you know, a spaces where they were talking about traditional art lenders will only lend against Rafik and Beeple at this point. And I think that that to me is just a testament of uh, Rafik's respect within the community and especially from a financialization tool. That's one data point. The other point is, look, when he's on the the first resident artist on that dome in Vegas, when his work sits at the MoMA forever, or for a long period, I won't say forever, uh, when his work is featured in the Grammys or at LAX, and and people, you know, the commentary is about people stopping and just and taking it in. That means there's something emotional about it, and his his work is connecting with a lot of people. So, I think that this is a very interesting long-term play and i think it's one that um you know kudos to to what rafiq has done this is it's in addition to not only his reputation within the art world but just the the work is very beautiful and you know kudos to him congrats on the i mean this is a big deal to be able to be in the permanent collection at the moma uh, as a natively digital artist huge huge milestone for us you know, a little bit uh, ho-hum on the, the introduction, but th th these are the things that to me give the give, give me the conviction long-term. Like there are artists, the greater art world is embracing it. And, you know, it's, we're still early to be able to have the opportunity to collect something out of wins. It's, it's just such a, such a really, really interesting time. And I'm super bullish on this project in particular. Yeah, and I, I've I've really been on the ground here on this one. So full disclosure, I own two of these. I've been tracking them for a while. I was skeptical about how are a thousand pieces that all have motion going to look unique. Uh, but he did it in a way that actually a lot of generative artists do it, in that the colors brought the variety here, the the different palettes. And and I don't know if we have name palettes. The metadata reveals on Friday, and the way that this works is uh, really by midday Friday, all of them will have revealed. We got 300 coming out today on Thursday and then another 200 tomorrow. So then we'll, we'll really get a sense of, okay, uh, what does the full collection look like? And, you know, folks are speculating that once the full collection is out, people will really start collecting so they can figure out what they want, uh, especially the folks who are not price sensitive and, and really just want to own one. But um, I've been really excited about this because I, it feels like a marquee collection from, to your point, uh, the, perhaps the artist or one of two artists who has made the most uh, headway into the mainstream art world and really the mainstream cultural world, right? A lot of people know about people who are not, you know, necessarily traditional art aficionados uh, and Rafiq being on the sphere and the uh, the Grammys, his art was in the background of the Grammys. That That is a lot more mainstream than just the people who decide to go to art museums. And so, I, it feels like there might even be some overthinking of this project. They're like, well, it looks like all his other stuff. I'm like, yo, people, this person is in the MoMA's permanent collection. This is that what every NFT artist has been dreaming of for years. And he finally did it. He's the first one to do it. And you know, we'll talk about that, but it just, and it's really beautiful aesthetics and talking about a generative art collection, a thousand of them, they all look unique. In my opinion, they all look good. That's really hard to do. And what's especially hard to do with AI art, they all clearly have the same theme. Then you throw in the story, the nature themes. I don't know. I, I just feel like people are overthinking this. Uh, this to me is a stunning collection from one of the top artists. And 
I think that you're seeing that in the price action, you know, it, it's a bear market and this is bucking the trend and it's bucking the trend of things going down after reveal. So I couldn't be more hyped on it. Again, I'm biased. I own two, but I waited until I saw the art. I waited until I confirmed to myself that they would be diverse enough before buying. Uh, could have gotten it for a lot cheaper, as you know, but that's okay. I I feel like this could be a marquee collection and the type of thing people are waiting for. And uh, one last thing I'll say in this, you know, I tweeted about this. We've talked about it. Things will not go to crazy prices like 50 ETH in the bear market. It's just not going to happen. Literally nothing. Go back, look at the charts. CryptoPunks didn't go to 50 ETH in a bear market either. Nothing does. So the absence of crazy meteoric price rises doesn't mean that it won't happen later if that's all you're looking for. But I think you can just focus on the facts here and your eye and, and to some extent the market reaction. Now, if it doesn't catch your eye, that's totally fine. I get it. Uh, but I can tell you it's catching a lot of people's eyes enough to, to, to justify this price, uh, even in this market. And, and last thing I'll say is very few people are listing these who have revealed them. Like uh, people are keeping them. Uh, and, and, and I can see why. So, uh, that's, that's my enthusiastic case for winds of Yawanawa over. Let's move on. Yeah, I'll say real oh, quick. Sorry. One point that I have is the, I think it was pre from Flamingo tweeted about this, but like she said something along like people, Rafiq, when gen art and it's alluding to the fact that like again to me the way i interpret it is like we're still early right like there's people like rafiq and people setting the stage for a, a greater appreciation of digital art and it's only a matter of time before people start to get red pilled so it, it, it's again I, I mentioned on our marfa recap but it, we're still early but man things like this give me more and more conviction that's why i'm long-term crazy bullish yes yes a hundred percent let's talk quickly about uncomputer this is a group exhibition that happened with um, some great artists here noted on screen uh notably math castles kim Asendorf, rodek sane yazid stevie p rope etc um, but what was kind of cool about this is that this was uh it was on unit london but it was curated by grayler's dow i love to see that you know this is the promise of Web3. You have a group of people across the world, don't really know each other, come together, do some cool stuff together, advance the mission. And I didn't actually get a chance to, excuse me, to look at all of the art here. Um, oftentimes these Unit London deals are already sold behind backdoor deals, uh, which is fine, but that makes me a little less motivated to, to jump on top of it. But I did like these Rodexane hexatories here, um, all of which uh, were pretty much sold to Grailers Down members who are obviously avid art collectors. Any thoughts on this release, Jared? Just to reemphasize what you were stating, it's cool to be able to see the partnership between Grailers and there's just so many big brains in that space, especially on their curation board. Um, that it's it's very encouraging to see this. And I love the artists that they selected and I love the artists that uh, got emphasized. So overall, I'm just like super, super uh, pumped by it. And, you know, again, just to reiterate what you're saying, really, really dope to see the entire community come together and to be supported by Unit London and others. Absolutely. The last release we wanted to hit on is Because Until by Ixnay OK. The most recent art box curated came out Wednesday, the 10th of, uh, excuse me, the 11th of October. And it got to the resting mint price of 0.11 ETH uh, and then sold pretty quickly from there. Most of them sold at that price. So, you know, the market was savvy in waiting <laughs> to, to get and, and pay less total, even though it was a rebate Dutch auction. So everyone paid the same. I've uh, been hearing some great stuff about it. The art is really cool. Uh, and it has, what's really interesting here, uh, this, uh, in addition to the visuals, is that the it changes all the time. And, you know, Jared, I, I was going to ask, I forget how often they change, but I think they change uh, daily in, in subtle ways. And then every once in a while, they have like a fiesta day where they go crazy. And these mechanics are actually quite similar to gazers, uh, but obviously different visuals, different art, and then, you know, the way it changes and when it changes doesn't is not the exact same. But uh, any and full disclosure, I did pick up one of these uh, at the mint. Any thoughts on this one, Jared? I really, really appreciate Ixnay's work. Uh, such an amazing individual. I've gotten to know the artist behind the work. I would just say that uh, 
similar to a lot of dynamic art, click into it as we're doing on screen right now, find some characteristics that you actually enjoy. I mean, there's a really attractive entry point here, uh, you know, the floor sitting at point one five. So yeah, there's a really great opportunity to, to really click into it and enjoy it. I just, I really, really think that there's, um, uh, great art here and on screen. So Ixnay is awesome. Uh, you know, if you believe in the longevity and the, the artist behind it, really good opportunity here in my opinion. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. Supposed to be 650 pieces. I don't know why it says 624 here on OpenSea, but uh, with that many pieces, it it has lowered the price. But that's an opportunity. I mean, this is still an Artblocks curated release, and I actually think it's quite good art if uh, you are into this style and the variety is is nice and it, it's very thoughtfully done. So, I think a, a great collection. Congrats to Ixnay. I agree, he's awesome. Had a chance to meet him, and and congrats to everybody else involved in in that release. Okay, so let, let's do some generative art news. Um, I'm just going to show this, even though this isn't really the headline story. This is a release called Contractual Obligations by Matt Cain. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, but last week, Matt Cain released this collection as part of his uh, contractual obligation to the Super Rare team due to the Rare Pass. He was one of the artists. Now, you, as you know, Jared, I've talked about this. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but the the short version is... Uh, Matt was not super happy with the super rare teams. Uh, you, you know, actually, why don't you tee it up? Cause you listen to the spaces, uh, Jared, what, what happened on that spaces that from your perspective that Matt was kind of upset about with the super rare team, uh, leading him to release this piece of artwork, uh, which features a lot of burning bridges and, and clearly is, uh, making a statement, uh, which was the talk of the town for the last week, although it has slowed down a bit. But um, from your perspective, what really was the issue that Matt had with the the, the rare pass? Well, I'll premise it as during the spaces, he never like outwardly came out and said super rare bad, but he did in the, you know, he read a couple excerpts from the great Gatsby and then went into, you know, the, the observation of this being performance art. I think it became a very interesting dynamic on the spaces when another artist challenged uh matt about the um the intent behind the art and the and not my words but the quote-unquote low effort approach uh and then there's like all this debate about whether this is act one it's titled act one so is there more to come matt was referencing the to the name of the the contract as a hint for what may be to come so there was just a when it when it all came around to it, I, I think what happened on the spaces is a lot of conflict. And for me, and I'll be full disclosure, I'm a little bit biased because with eight nap art, my intent is always to say I'm artist first. But what I took away from the spaces is Matt advocating for platforms being less transactional and being able to bring something to the table uh, to support the artist. And he makes reference to to proof in Grails 3 and the amazing job that they did for highlighting his piece out of Grails 3 and the attention that it garnered. So I think that, you know, the, the expectation going into something, you know, maybe a Gazers or uh, even what the, the release he just did on Manifold, which are the names, the Anons, they were like, these are quote unquote traditional Matt Cain pieces versus what was produced and so i think that the the divergence in expectations and what was delivered created a, a pretty substantial conflict and i truly do believe matt's a like big brain and it created this i'm not saying it's right or wrong right i i don't want to take that position but i do think it created a dialogue and if that is what he truly intended damn did he deliver man like uh so overall i think that uh you know he's he's highlighting a need for more artist support in the process and i my hope is that there's more to come as a result of this and i'm curious to see what that is if in a big if uh, if there is more to come yeah absolutely so th thank you for that uh, because i wanted to be clear about what i am editorializing versus what uh, is factually happened right or what i am not editorializing what i 
am bringing, uh, that is my own opinion. So a couple of things. First of all, this art, uh, there is going to be some kind of act two. He already announced he's going to airdrop another piece to all the holders of this. So uh, this art was looks like primarily mid-journey made and uh, clearly not a ton of variety in this, but it wasn't supposed to be. This is really supposed to be a placeholder. So Matt is not doing his collectors dirty, which was my only real concern when I initially heard about it, but very quickly it became clear. That's not the case. Um, on the point about artists and platforms and truly collectors and platforms, uh, I, I don't disagree with him. I've had this conversation privately. Uh, I've spoken with, with many platforms about it. I get that everyone in the industry, or at least a lot of people in the industry, are feeling the squeeze of a down market. Um, however, I think platforms are particularly vulnerable because it's hard to replace a Matt Cain. It's actually not that hard to replace a platform that allows an artist to mint on the blockchain. In fact, it's called Artblocks Engine. They're giving everybody the capability. So platforms, uh, you know, you're just more of commodities than than good artists. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just is what it is unless you bring the technological chops to differentiate yourselves or you're a first mover or whatever, right? Just like any business. Uh, and, you know, I heard from the grapevine, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that the super rare pass artists uh, agreed to do it to help super rare out as a fundraiser because their business model was not doing great. Um, and if that's true, again, I don't know. If that's true, I think that's just a terrible deal. The artist never should have taken it. I get that once you take it, it's over. But uh, they are a business that is venture-backed. They can go get more money from investors. You are risking your career. It just doesn't, it's it's not the same thing. I if Again, if I don't know if it's true, but if it is, I'm kind of shocked that they even asked the artist for that uh, because it's, you know, this is business. Either you make it work or you don't. You say, good game, I lost. Let me try it again. Like that's how it works. Uh, but you know, um, companies will do what they got to do to survive. Uh, why not just get some more money uh, from investors? Maybe dilute your shares or maybe the investors didn't want to touch the company anymore because it was clearly not working. In which case, why go get money from artists? You're just throwing good money after bad. It, it, it just didn't make sense to me on a lot of levels. I, I hope that wasn't the case. And it wasn't supposed to be a fundraiser, but if it was, please, artists, do not ever, ever, ever do anything like that. <laughs> do not do it for free. It is not worth it. Yeah, um, my but... my takeaway is this: is it has to be a two way street, meaning like it can't be transactional in either direction. And each party, just like any good relationship, has to extract value. And to me, value can be um, in a number of different ways. And I think a lot of artists came out, you know, just to counterpoint what you were saying is that they got their start on super rare. So they felt, you know, compelled to, to help, albeit for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I know, but and, sorry, like super rare also got something out of that. So it, it was already, you know, you don't have to do more than you already did, but that, yeah, you made great it, art, but sorry, I'll stop. It, no, no, it's all good. I think if somebody's willing and able to, to do that and they look, we're obviously not privy to all of the different stuff, but if, if there was like full trans, like transparency around like that ask and artists willingly did it, that's one thing, right? But I think what it, you know, to come back full circle on this contractual obligations, to me, it's highlighting the need for the two-way street of support. And and that to me is, is was my main takeaway, you know, and I will just say like, whether you agree with it or not, you know, kudos to Matt for having the courage to daylight some of this stuff and, you know, stoke a conversation. I mean, look at this, like here we are talking about it for an extended, uh, you know, period of time. And it's weeks after it actually happened. So, I mean, at the end of the day, whether it was performance art or just sheer bitterness, I'm not able to speculate on because I haven't dug too deep into it. But the reality is, is that it highlighted something and the marketplace is talking about it. And I think overall that is positive. Yeah, it certainly uncovered an important topic. I, I agree with you, but we will not blame the point because we also have more show. So quickly, we've alluded to this a couple of times, but the MoMA Museum of Modern Art, New York City, considered a top tier museum in the world, has added Rafik Anadol's unsupervised MoMA, unsupervised-MoMA, into their permanent collection, as well as Ian Chang's three-face. Uh, and the permanent collection is sort of the highest tier for a museum. You know, it's there's one thing to have an exhibition. It's a whole nother to be in their permanent collection. It's the first time that the MoMA has done this for any artwork that is NFT of origin. And I won't belabor this point. It's obviously amazing for the artists and the art itself. But I think 
what maybe is being missed a little bit from the dialogue is that this is just unbelievably big for the technology. And I think that there's a lot of takes out there that are like, well, digital art's been in here before. Why is it such a big deal? It's like, no, no, no. The big deal is the validation of the technology that is allowing this Web3 art world to exist. That's that's my headline, at least. What are your thoughts, Jared? My thoughts are very much aligned. I mean, I alluded to it earlier. I think this is the fact that a, such a powerful institution is moving this into a permanent collection is just overall bullish long-term. I think it's a great, does it, is it the tipping point? It doesn't feel like it that, that we're all looking for, but it's a great data point in that journey towards the, the validation of everything that we, we know and love. So overall, I'm just super, super like elated that this happened and kudos to the one-on-one team for, for, for not only facilitating the placement, but then the permanent placement. So uh, just an overall, I'd be remiss if we didn't do a hats off to just what a great steward they are of this space and, and the generosity that they're bringing to, to, to the space overall. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, congrats to everybody involved and, and a thank you for what it really is a milestone. Uh, I don't think people realize how much that changes your mind. It's kind of like, uh, you remember, you probably know the story, Jared, it's like, for a long time, nobody thought that anyone could break a five-minute mile, like running, and then somebody broke it, and then like a bunch of people started breaking. Or maybe it was a four-minute mile. It was probably four. Four-minute minute mile. mile, and then it was like yeah. within three months, like it happened like a dozen times. And it's, actually, it's funny you bring that up because like somebody almost just broke the two-hour marathon point by a twenty-three-year-old. And so I think it's like it's that constant like line in the sand and challenging it and going past it to give others permission to do so. And, and I really do believe that this with uh moment Rafiq is one of those moments hundred percent well let's talk about some great art great prices got a couple great, art, great prices composition by studio Yorktown to carry upon that theme you know again this is uh it, it's really hard to find this one it's an async blueprints you know if you are have any inclination to even look at it go into the show notes uh th this is incredible uh, but it, it's called Composition by Studio Yorktown. There's 512 pieces because there's a zero mint. The floor is at 0.14 ETH. So again, pretty affordable and attractive entry point. Really beautiful outputs. In my opinion, it's very analogous to Sabre, one of their first, uh, one of Bruce's first releases. But again, these just like are, it, to me, is an is a unfound gem. And especially coming off the, you know, the tweet from Blockstar, Really, really dope pieces here if you believe in it. So I uh, just thought I'd highlight this. Full disclosure, I own a considerable amount of these, but uh, it's because I, I love what Bruce does and you know a really, really thin floor, not a lot available. So getting diamond handed, honestly. These these would look great on, uh, as textiles, like quilts. And printed. Well. Yeah. You, know, you print it on the right textured paper. I mean, you, you see it inherently there. It's, it's, it's stunning. Absolutely. Next is Strata by Bjorn Isikin. We've highlighted their recent release, but I say this, it's 650, 650-piece art blocks presents. It's just a fun collection overall. It's one of their first releases. The floor is sitting at 0.065, um, you know, and there's some pretty beautiful pieces. If you, I, I know the collection pretty well because, again, full disclosure, I own some. Uh, but you look at some of the rarities, you know, there's some really great deals out there and aesthetically they're very beautiful. So again, a uh, really attractive price point, you know, under a hundred bucks. If you want to hang something on your wall, really great opportunity. Oh, look at this one. Never seen that before. Wow. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one that I wanted to highlight uh, is just uh, kind of tiptoeing at our great art at great prices uh, threshold here, actually right under it, uh, but it's Factura by Matthias Isakin, also another Isakin. Uh, this is one that that uh, Chris Blockster did actually highlight on his tweet. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, like, thank you for bringing it back up. It's one of my favorite collections. And uh, this to me is generative art done just right. Thousand pieces, great variety. Um, all unique. I don't think there are really any bad outputs here. Big fan of it. Um, full disclosure, I, I own a bunch of these, uh, but that's because I love it. And, you know, I, as I was reflecting on this one, Jared, I think this collection truly suffered uh, from the drop dynamics not being optimal. 
Uh, so, uh, and what happened was there were, were a bunch that went to pass holders that were trading on secondary and then it opened to the public, but it was a fixed price. So it got botted just immediately and, uh, it kind of lost a lot of momentum, but only 4% listed really beautiful outputs. If anyone is in the market for one and wants some advice, DMS are open, happy to tell you, uh, which ones that I, I think are the best. And let's move over to some exciting upcoming releases here. Uh, the first one is, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be something you can say, but three dashes, three forward slashes by Snowfro. Now, this is not art that's technically out yet. Um, so this is part of the Red Bull Racing Velocity Pass series. Snowfro is their third artist, um, but the way that they're doing this is there's 2000 pieces on, on the 18th of October in real life, probably in Austin, Texas with the Austin grand prix, uh, 300 of these are going to be, I don't know if they're sold or given away, but you have to be there in person. So it's not really meant for the web three crowd. However, these are coming off the art blocks engine. They were all minted off the art blocks engine and therefore we can see the mints. This is the power of the blockchain. So now we have a sense of what they look like. Um, and, uh, you know, there's going to be 2000 of these. So then the following week on the 25th of October, all of the velocity series pass holders will get one for free. And then 700 will go to Dutch auction, the velocity pass holders who do not claim and listen, pass holders, you only have one hour to claim it. Unfortunately, we're sort of pushing on the team to change that, but that's the current state. Uh, any, any remaining will go to the Dutch auction. So it might be more than 700 at the Dutch auction. Uh, don't know the details of that yet. You know, what does it start at? Is it rebate, et cetera, but this is the art, uh, that's, those are the details. Would love your thoughts on the art, Jared. And I'm going to show you all the animation, which is a big part of it. I think it's meant to be animated. Yeah. I think for me, it's the, the shapes I think are analogous to like markings on the, the racetrack, which is cool to be able to tie it back to, I think the heritage of the project. I think my observation is that there's also, can you go down to the traits? I'm curious. My observation is that there's, mm -hmm. yeah, see, that's a hyper. So there, the, again, for the, the throughput of some, some, some of the coloring from Snowfro's stuff is, I, I think that there's very much reminiscent of Chromie squiggle uh, coloring, but some of these hyper ones, man, they, they're honestly, they're pretty exciting. I, th those are the ones that given the rarity I, I'd be looking and targeting not to give away all my alpha, but you know, there, there's a couple outputs that I'm like really deeply, um, you know, starting to, to look at, but yeah, I mean, look at that right there, the type, these, even naming them straight away in chicane and stuff like it's racing. Like I, I love the, the throwback to it. I love the idea that 300 are going towards, um, you know, people at the race trying to onboard more people into the to space. And again, just a overall observation that Snowfro's out there trying to 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 onboard more people and, and really expand our space, which I admire. And these these all come with some physical, by the way. And we don't quite have the details on that yet. I hope it's a racing jacket as a holder of the Velocity Series Pass, but but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the next big release that we wanted to talk about here is uh, William Mapon has two releases coming up, actually. Um, one of which is Through Your Eyes, shown on screen here. There are eight one-of-ones, all individual auctions that start on November 13th. So that's a little ways out, but also with Verse. Um, coming up sooner is Sketchbook A. Uh, there is, on the 16th, it'll be an auction that starts and the top 64 bidders will win a mint pass. Then they get to play around with these outputs and save one of the outputs uh, and then, uh, you know, mint that onto their mint pass. Or, you know, if they have multiple mint passes, they can do multiple. That's the dynamic. I don't think you can play around with these yet. I've been really wanting to. Uh, it looks like here on the website that you can't. But, uh, you know, I'm hearing some pretty good reviews about it. And, and William, in his classic style, is making something that we normally see done by hand. Uh, creating that with code, which is cool to see different than distance, which felt more like a painting. And I'm getting out of my depth on physical uh, art creation techniques here, but it, it looks like uh, kind of crayons to me. <laughs> no, not crayons, pencils, colored pencils. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Jared, or either of the two? Yeah, no, I, I prefer the the sketchbook personally. Um, I always love the, the idea of uh, non- curated and letting the algorithm speak but you know versus been teasing out a bunch of outputs i think that while we're not able to go in and play with the algorithm overall like looking at it and seeing some of them there's like good variety there's monocolored one there's a variety of them 
with different colors. So with the with there being only 64, I'm curious to see what the uh what the final resting price is, but I could see it definitely being over two ETH, probably closer to the three. So but I, I I will not be buying one at that rate, but I do love verse and I do love uh Williams work. So I'm excited to see all of the final outputs on this one. Likewise, likewise. And it'll be cool, honestly, just to play with the algorithm. And then I might even save a few I don't plan to mint uh, for the same reasons, price reasons. But yeah, I think it'll be really cool to see. Um, last one. We don't know what the art looks like in this one, but Node to Node in Art Salon Paris, which is a group exhibition done with Kate Voss Gallery, as you can see in the URL, and curated by Lemon 2D, a great collector here. We've got some of the best artists here, Chettel Golid, uh, William Mapon, who we just mentioned, Iskra, uh, Helena Sarin, who's an OG in the AI side, bunch of folks. Um, so looking forward to that. And, you know, to, to purchase anything here, you have to kind of be in the know and reach out to either Le Monde or Kate Voss Gallery. I'm sure you could just DM them. Um, you may need to be KYC'd. I'm actually not inquiring anything here, but uh, this uh, should be a really exciting exhibition nonetheless. And I'm really cool to see the work and the curation by Le Monde. All right, Jared, let's let's uh, round it out with some artists to highlight. It's been a long episode, but it's been a lot to talk about. First artist I want to mention is uh, Jared uh, Tarbell, excuse me. And uh, Jared is in this uh, exhibition, Node to Node. And, you know, really interesting. I didn't know a ton about Jared before. Actually, one of the Collector's Corner Premium community members uh, educated me on his background. But uh, Jared uh, actually was one of the co-founders of Etsy. I don't know exactly when he left, um, but is really a great data scientist and engineer, it sounds like. And um, in 2003, created a, a work that uh, has called Substrate that seems like it was a seminal collection for a lot of uh, generative artists, including Dimitri Cherniak, Matt Deloria, and Tyler Hobbs, who have all said they were influenced by some of his work. Now, I couldn't find a Twitter handle for Jared. That's why I'm linking to this page, but his works, uh, they, they look great. I... Don't know if these are going to be NFTs or only sold as physicals. We'll, like I said, we'll get more details there. But um, wanted to highlight Jared because, uh, yeah, really cool artist and one I didn't know about. It's always nice to to get exposed to new folks. I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jared. No, I said to round it out. It, you know, a common theme for me is this week is Bruce with Studio Yorktown. Just highlighting him as an artist. I mean absolutely stunning work it's not just uh you know it's spurred on by the the tesseract sales this week but you know he has um eight different uh collections on fx hash we mentioned one on eth and then you know there's uh if you go on object there's a you, you see it up on screen there's a ton of additions that are throwbacks and collabs with the uh the tesseract kind of as as the uh as the baseline for it but Overall, man, just uh, Bruce is doing some great work. Yeah, I mean, look at that stuff up there. I mean, th these are, I love these Tesseract collabs. I mean, they're they're beautiful. They integrate in a lot of different uh, stuff. And look at the price on these, man, like 40, 50 Tez. Like these are these are such an attractive price point if you don't want to spend up for the, the full Tesseract and you want some exposure. I mean, even, you know, one of the other ones that's uh, fairly successful is the Perpendicular Inhabitation. And that has 170 um test floor some really great buys there if you're you know felt like you missed out uh some really great pieces sitting close to the floor but overall dude i i you know bruce is doing amazing work a great designer um in general great eye so be remiss if we didn't at least give him a spot to say he's more than a tesseract he's more than some of this other stuff just an overall check out studio yorktown they're a design studio and bruce is doing amazing work Awesome. Well, thank you for highlighting him. And I am continue to be uh, just glad that you share your passion for him. Uh, this is what it's all about, folks. So if you have some artists that you want to highlight, just let us know. This has been our show. We really appreciate you and being patient with the week off. Um, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, if any of you are interested in Collectors Corner Premium, please reach out, DM me. If you're interested in 8 Nap Art, reach out, DM Jared. Jared, any last words? I will just say that the the mint passes open again, not to belabor a point, but if you feel so inclined or our discussion about Matt Cain hit an emotional vibe, just know that 
8 Nap Art is going to go above and beyond for this artist support. And one of the ways to support the platform and the artists is through our pass. It's one ETH. Um, I would appreciate any support. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me directly because uh, we can talk about any of the details. Happy to hop on a call. Happy to talk and share my passion. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, Jared. Well, that's it, everybody. Appreciate you all. Check out the newsletter. We'll be back next week. Hope you all have a good day. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.